Okay, the um, first part of our reading today is taken from John chapter 18, uh, reading from verse uh, 25 to 27. Meanwhile, Simon Peter was still standing there warming himself. So they asked him, "You you aren't one of the disciples too, are you? He denied it, saying, I am not. One of the high priest's servants, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off, challenged him. Didn't I see you with him in the garden? Again, Peter denied it. And at that moment, a rooster began to crow. Um, And then we're reading from uh, Luke 22, um, from verse... 54 to 62. Then seizing him, that's Jesus, they led him away and took him into the house of the high priest. Peter followed at a distance. When some there had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and sat down together, Peter sat down with them. A servant girl saw him seated there in the firelight She looked closely at him and said, this man was with him, but he denied it. Woman, I don't know him, he said. A little later, someone else saw him and said, you're also one of them. Man, I am not, Peter replied. About an hour later, another asserted, certainly this fellow was with him, for he is a Galilean. Peter replied, Man, I don't know what you're talking about. Just as he was speaking, the rooster crowed. The Lord turned and and looked straight at Peter. Then Peter remembered the word that the Lord had spoken to him. Before the rooster crows today, you will disown me three times. And he went outside and wept bitterly. Father, I just want to pray that you would speak to each of our hearts, Lord, we I want to say that our hearts are open. Lord, we want to uh, be encouraged in our faith. We want to honour and glorify Jesus. And we pray that you'd speak to each of us now. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Aren't you glad that God is the God of the second chance? That God is the God who restores. God is the God who is able to take our failures and make something beautiful from them. You know, the passage here, let me set the scene for you. Jesus has just been betrayed in the garden. He's been seized. He's taken and he's being questioned. And Peter is there watching these events unfold. Perhaps Peter is feeling scared being able to watch and see the person that you had trusted, the one who'd spoken about the fact that he was going to die and suddenly that all seems very, very real. And Peter doesn't want to just leave it at that, but he wants to go and he wants to watch. It's interesting, Peter followed along. Peter didn't just stay with the rest of the disciples. We see that he's waiting outside the house of the high priest, trying to find out what's going on. 
You know, this is a passage you may well be really familiar with. Right at the end of Jesus' life, and Peter denies Jesus. I want to say that failure is a very normal part of life. I want to say to you that if you are here today and you carry the scars of failure on your body, if you carry a sense of disappointment, if you are aware that things have gone wrong in your life, that does not disqualify you from Christian service. God is the God who restores. You know, many of us have probably been let down badly by others. If I ask you to think about those key moments in your life, I'm sure there are ways that you can think about how you have been let down by others. For some of us, the way that we have let others down looms large over us. We think about our failings, the things that we did wrong. In my own life, the thing that I'm not a person who generally has regrets, but the thing that speaks largest of failure in my life was when my dad had dementia and I couldn't really cope with it. So I just buried myself in work and was too busy to be around. And actually, it took me a long time to come out of that and to realize what I'd done. That sense of failure hung large over my life for quite a while. And I want to say to you today that if you carry a sense of heaviness or failure, know that God is good. God is the God who restores. God is the God of the second and the third chance. You know, Peter is asked a very simple question. Are you one of his disciples? You're not one of his disciples, are you? He's asked. It's kind of an interesting question. I want to just ask you today. Are you a disciple of Jesus? Are you someone who is going to follow him? Are you going to follow Jesus with your whole heart? Or are we content to simply watch from afar? Are we prepared to take up our cross and follow after Jesus, even if that is a hard road? You know, Peter was a man who followed Jesus. Yes, he managed to deny him, but the very fact is that Peter followed along. It's kind of interesting, if you look at Jesus' relationship with Peter, it begins with Jesus saying, come and follow me. And through all the ups and downs, that's still what Peter's doing at this moment. He's still following after Jesus. And we see that even as he goes through this time of denial and comes out of it, Peter was a man who followed after Jesus. It's really interesting, this... Um, the fact that Peter denied Jesus is mentioned in all four of the Gospels. I think that's particularly fascinating because Peter was the man who led the early church. And I find it significant that the early church did not hide the weaknesses of leaders. 
It would have been easy for Peter to want a slick PR and be the Peter who did extraordinary things. But the gospel accounts recall Peter's failure. And I believe it's really important that we understand that all of us have the ability to do wrong. All of us have dark corners in our life. All of us have areas that we need God's grace in. And in particular, for leaders, it's so important. All leaders have feet of clay. We all do things wrong. And just as the early church did not hide the faults of his leaders, neither should our churches today. And that's a really important thing because sometimes you can, uh, there's a, a tendency to want to put leaders on a pedestal. And I believe we do, we should honor our leaders, but we should never idolize them. As leaders, we should never make out like we all have it sorted. The pattern that Peter shows us, I believe, is that there is a sense in which failure, difficulty, denial, and restoration are an ordinary part of a Christian journey. So I want to say to you today, if you feel like you've messed up in life, welcome to the club. If you feel at times like you let Jesus down with your actions, welcome to the club. If you feel like that somehow you miss it and fall short, welcome to the club. We are all in need of grace. And one of the interesting things that we see here is that Peter was a man with a big heart, a man with a big mouth, a man with big actions, but probably a man who trusted too much in himself. I want us to look firstly at this idea of Peter's misplaced confidence. In John 13 and verse 34 onwards, it says, a new command I give to you. Love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Simon Peter asked him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus replied, where I'm going, you cannot follow me, but you will follow later. Peter asked, Lord, why can't I follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. Then Jesus answered, will you really lay down your life for me? Very truly, I tell you, before the cock crows, you will disown me three times. You know, as Jesus is having dinner with his disciples on that Last night, before he was arrested, he's talking about what will happen. And Peter is keen and clear, Jesus, I'm going to follow you wherever, whatever the cost. He's saying to Jesus, Jesus, I will never, ever let you down. It was one of those moments where Peter had a confidence in himself. And it's a confidence that God in his grace was going to lovingly lovingly undermine. And I want to encourage you, we are called to have a sense of faith and trust and confidence in God. But our confidence isn't to be in ourselves. Our confidence is that God in us is sufficient. Our confidence is that his grace 
is sufficient. Not that I have it all sorted. Peter was talking about the fact that he wouldn't give up on Jesus. The issue, though, was self-reliance, wasn't it? He was too confident in himself. If we look at Matthew's account, Matthew 26 and verse 31, it says, Then Jesus told them, This very night you will all fall away on account of me, for it's written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I have risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. Peter replied, Even if all fall away on account of you, I never will. Truly, I tell you, Jesus answered, this very night before the cock crows three times, you will disown me. But Peter declared, even if I have to die for you, I will never disown you. And the other disciples said the same. The Bible is really, really clear of the sentiment that was in Peter's heart. I believe it was a a sentiment he genuinely believed. If all fall away, I never will. The sentiment was great, but what was the reality? The reality, indeed, was that Peter was capable of falling away. And you know, one of the things that I really want to encourage you, let's not place our trust in ourselves, but rather in God's grace. It's very often the areas of our strength that we trip up in, isn't it? Sometimes when we're aware of our weaknesses, we ask God for grace in that area. When we're aware of stuff, we know how we need God's grace. But sometimes it's the areas of our strength that we know need to be challenged in. We need to ask God to give us grace and strength. I want to encourage you. Let's be people who depend upon God's grace. Let's not rely on our own abilities. Let's not rely on our ability to tough it out. To depend on God doesn't mean that we sit around doing nothing. To depend on God doesn't mean we say, oh, I'm not capable of doing anything. I'm a miserable worm. No, no. To depend on God is to know that he is sufficient, that his grace is enough, that his spirit is able to equip us to do all that he calls us to. And it's that weird kind of complex thing that we have to deal with, which is being confident in God, but not trusting in self. Don't trust in yourself. Trust in Jesus. If you hear one thing today, understand and hear that, that our trust is in Jesus. If we look, we see that Peter's life here is put under the spotlight. Peter's life goes under the spotlight. I think it's kind of hard, isn't it, when people know the bits of your failure. I think very often we want to curate our lives so that people know the things we do well or people know our strengths. And here we see that Peter's life is under the spotlight. It's kind of interesting because when Jesus is arrested, Peter's ready to put up a fight. I quite like Peter. 
the idea that he's ready to kick off. Now, I kind of, in situations like that, that's my basic instinct. Like That's where, you know, when something happens and Peter is ready to kick off. So they go to arrest Jesus. What does Peter do? He takes a sword and lobs off someone's ear. So actually, Peter isn't this timid guy. Actually, Peter was up for a fight with possibly 200 Roman soldiers. That's actually pretty bold, isn't it? And yet somewhere along the way, that self-assurance, that confidence is cut away. In John 18, uh, verse 15 to 17, it says, Simon Peter and another disciple were following Jesus. Because this disciple was known to the high priest, he went with them, with Jesus, into the high priest's courtyard. But Peter had to wait outside at the door. The other disciple who was known to the high priest came back, spoke to the servant girl on duty there and brought Peter in. You aren't one of this man's disciples too, are you? She asked Peter. He replied, I am not. So Peter goes along with this other disciple who most people probably agree is is John. And John has access in to influential people. And Peter has to wait outside. And while he's waiting outside, he's asked, are you too one of this man's disciples? It's kind of interesting. Suddenly, the Peter who was able to try and start a fight with a whole bunch of Roman soldiers is afraid of a servant girl. It's kind of interesting, isn't it? For all of our bravado, we all have weaknesses. And we see that Peter actually tells a lie. He says, no, I'm not. And it's, it strikes me that it's that one lie that makes room for the rest of it. It's that one lie that leads to the second lie that leads to the third lie. Because once you've said it, it's out there. And actually, so much of the time, I know and understand from my own life that we need to catch stuff early. When we realize we do wrong, rather than just digging in deeper, we need to be quick to repent. We need to be quick to ask forgiveness. What we see, though, is God's grace is bigger than Peter's failing. In this moment of temptation, in this moment of accusation, are you one of his disciples? Peter's like, not me, Gov. Wasn't there. Sorry. Don't even know. Who is this guy? Peter denied Jesus. And I believe the reality is that all of us are capable of doing likewise. In the accounts, we read that they say, but hang on. You sound like you're from where? You sound like you're from Galilee. It's kind of interesting, isn't it? You sound like you've been with Jesus. And actually, in the midst of that, he brings a resounding denial. I think it's interesting if we look and just contrast Jesus and Peter at this time. Jesus, when he's arrested, what does he say? I am the one. Peter denies that he's one of them. It's kind of interesting, isn't it? Jesus willing to take responsibility. Peter said, Jesus says, I am the one. Peter says, I'm not the one. 
Jesus willingly choosing to suffer. Peter trying to avoid suffering by being associated with Jesus. Jesus choosing to identify with us in our weakness. Peter in his weakness choosing to disassociate himself from Jesus. That's human nature, isn't it? That in our weakness, we do things that are wrong. It's interesting. I heard this phrase that Peter was close enough to see, but not close enough to stand. I like that idea. He's close enough to see what's going on, but he wasn't close enough to stand. He wasn't close enough to stand firm. He lacked the ability, the courage to stand firm in that moment. And we read in this passage that three times he denied Jesus. And you know, I've heard all sorts of sermons on this over the years. You know, Peter denied Jesus three times and I think, wow, that's not bad, eh? Look how many times we deny Jesus. And actually sometimes we lose the reality that all of us do things wrong. We all stand guilty before God. We all do what's wrong. We all let Jesus down. Peter gives us a good example of what it is to be strong in some areas and weak in others. And that's okay. And I just really want to encourage you. God is at work in our lives. It is a process. It is a lifelong thing. And if you feel that there are areas of your life that you are weak in, I want to encourage you. That is an an invitation to experience the grace of God in those areas. Peter, for all of his strength, denied Christ. What does it look like for us? How do we end up denying Christ? Well, I think partly when we choose to make ourselves the centre. When we make ourselves the centre, then we begin to deny Christ because we say that we don't need God's grace. You know, what's interesting is that instead of just obeying Jesus, Peter often wanted to dictate to him. You know, there's this incredible moment where where Peter has this revelation of who Jesus is. It's this light bulb moment. It defines part of Peter's life. And he recognises that Jesus is God's chosen king. And he, he recognises it and he speaks it out. And Jesus, Jesus said to him, blessed are you for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. And yet virtually the next moment when Jesus is talking about going to a cross, Peter's like, Jesus, never, I won't allow it. And it's kind of interesting So he recognises all about Jesus and then he says, Jesus, let me give you some advice. Jesus, let me put you straight. And when we make ourselves the centre of our own lives, when we make ourselves the centre, we get it wrong. 
You know, in the what's the story thing that's going to be happening, we want to invite you to look at how your story, your life story connects into God's big story. Because it's only then that our lives really make sense. You know, one of the ways that we make ourselves the center when we think we know more than God does. I don't know about you, but sometimes we, I meet Christians who feel and think that they are more compassionate than God. That they are more loving than God. Something that God talks about clearly, maybe a boundary, maybe a commandment. And they just want to explain it away by talking about but love and compassion. And love and compassion are from God. But we are never more loving and compassionate than God. Do you know, one of my pet hates is when you hear a preacher say, now I wish this passage wasn't in the Bible. And you think, what on earth is that about? You're judging God. When I hear people talking about the fact that we can disregard, for example, the Bible's teaching on sexuality, and appealing to a God of love and compassion. Are you saying you're more compassionate than God? Are you saying you're more loving than God? That's what happens when we place ourselves at the center and we end up denying Christ because we think we know better. We deny Christ when we go along with the crowd, when we want to fit in when we want to only uh, stay faithful to Jesus as long as it's convenient for us. When we go along with what other people are saying because we're afraid of their reaction. We deny Christ when we choose revenge instead of forgiveness. We deny Christ when we choose religion over grace when we choose to trust in our works rather than in God's grace. We deny Christ when we are self-centered and greedy rather than generous. I don't know what the temptation is for you where the temptation to deny Christ is, but I know it's real. I know that for each of us, we have to go on making decisions to trust Jesus, not self. We deny Jesus when we cease to make the main thing the main thing. And the gospel is the main thing. And I just really want to encourage you that living as people who share good news of Jesus is so key to a faithful Christian life. Let's not give up being gospel-centered. Let's not... Let's, let's keep pushing in to keep the gospel at the center. You know, Jesus, when he left the disciples, he commissioned them to go and make disciples of all nations. That is our calling as believers, is to go make apprentices, followers of Jesus. When we choose to place our own comfort, our own goals over that, then we start to deny Christ. When we, I think one of the big ways in which churches can end up doing that is when we do so much community work 
and stop sharing the gospel in the midst of it. You know, the biggest danger for evangelical churches in Tower Hamlets by far is the neglect of the gospel by overemphasis on meeting social needs. Now, as a church, we are absolutely committed to that. If you've been here five minutes, you'll know that we do stacks in our community. But the gospel needs to be shared and spoken as part of it. We can't ever just give up and sacrifice just uh, preaching the gospel and replace it just with good works. Those two things need to go hand in hand. We need to help people get the connection. We need to keep the gospel central. If the gospel sharing the fact that Jesus died for our sins, the fact that he loved us so much that he died in our place and God put the punishment of our sins onto Jesus and that by believing in him, we can be made new. That's the hope we have. That's what we have to offer people ultimately is that God can restore and make new. Peter in this time, in this moment, denied Christ. And it's interesting because on the third occasion, he looks, he sees Jesus and he began to weep. Peter wept bitterly. Peter was broken over what he'd done wrong. Do you know, it is God's goodness that leads us to repentance. Sometimes, you know, we hear, I hear people talk about uh, sharing the good news of Jesus and there's no, nothing in there about repenting, about turning around from our sin. And Peter is convicted of his sin. He's broken over it. Do you know what that's like? I hope you do. The more I grow as a Christian, the more I know that I need God's grace. The more I see areas of my life that, that just need to change. Brothers and sisters, the more mature we become in Jesus, the more time we'll spend repenting. It's not like repenting, turning from your sin is something you do just when you hear the gospel for the first time. No, no, that's a lifestyle. Peter's brokenness was not a hopeless brokenness, but it was a shaping one. I'm sure if we'd got the opportunity to sit down with Peter and talk to him about moments that defined his life, this might well have been one of them. Do you know why? Because often our failures can be the very making of us. There comes a time and place and point in our life when God wants to puncture our confidence in self. One of the sermons that most changed my life, and you've probably heard me say this before, was a Derek Prince sermon from years and years ago. I think I was about 18 when I listened to it. And he simply said, Jacob wrestled with God and walked away with a limp. And then he said these really profound words. He said, I've learned never to trust the leader who doesn't walk with a limp. Someone who's had an encounter with God and had their confidence in self broken. 
And I believe that this was one of those times. And brothers and sisters, if there are things in your life that God deals with, he does it for your goodness and for your well-being. Paul, when he writes to the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians, talks about godly in verse uh, 2 Corinthians 7 in verse 10 says, Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regrets, but worldly sorrow brings death. See what this godly sorrow has produced in you. What earnestness, what eagerness to clear yourselves, what indignation, what alarm, what longing, what concern, what readiness to see justice done. At every point, you have proved yourself to be innocent in this matter. In other words, Paul says that he wrote something that convicted them was hard. But it was God's goodness that leads to repentance. And I really, really want to encourage you. Don't run from the conviction of God. Run towards it. When the Holy Spirit is working in your life, there comes a holy dissatisfaction in our life. One of the most profound moments that strikes me about sin and repentance, I was preaching in a church in South Africa and the night before at about midnight, just before I was going to bed, I felt like I needed to change my message and to talk about repentance and particularly to talk about David's sexual sin. And I felt to really challenge around sexual sin. And I remember preaching that message and saying, Some, there are people in this room and you're playing with sexual sin and God wants you to know if you repent, then he will forgive and there will be grace. The incredible thing was, there wasn't much naturally that I saw going on. And then a short while later, it turned out that the, the very pastor who I was preaching for, his wife was having an affair. And I went there to try to help them with their marriage. And when I sat with her, she said this. She said, that day you came and preached that message in our church. I was convicted. I knew I had to stop. I knew to bring this into the light. And she said, but I didn't want to. So I squeezed my baby's leg till the baby cried so I had an excuse to walk out that meeting. And talking to her, that was a turning point, a decision to walk away from God. I want to encourage you. This is a bit of a heavy message today, but I want to encourage you. If God convicts you, if God shows you things that are wrong in your life, don't run from that conviction. Embrace it. God's goodness leads to repentance because ultimately Jesus restored Peter. Jesus restored Peter. You know, as we look at Jesus when he is resurrected and he meets with the disciples, he embraces Peter. He cooks a breakfast. He restores him. Peter goes from being the one that denied Jesus to on the day of Pentecost, being the one who goes up in front of all the others to proclaim Christ. That's a story right there of what happens when we embrace the repentance of God and are instead filled with the spirit and power of God. You see, Peter was a work in progress and we all are. 
Jesus knew Peter was weak. It's kind of interesting because Jesus prepares him for his denial. Jesus knows Peter's heart, but he hasn't given up on him. In John 13, we see where I'm going. You cannot follow me now, but you will follow later. In other words, he's saying, Peter, you are going to deny me, but then you will come follow me wholeheartedly and you'll follow me even at the cost of your own life. So what's our takeaway message from this? It's interesting that when Jesus was with the disciples in the garden, he, in, uh, in Matthew 28, verse 40, 41 says this, then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Couldn't you men keep watch for me one hour, he asked Peter. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. I want to encourage you, watch and pray. As we head into Easter, maybe take some time this week and just read through John's gospel. It gives us so much detail of the last days of Jesus' life and then him being resurrected. I want to encourage you, watch and pray. Watch, be on our guard. Watch your life. Paul writes to Timothy, says, watch your life. Take care over your life and doctrine. I want to encourage you, be on your guard. Not in a negative, fearful sense, but in a sense that we are called to watch and pray. Be aware of your spiritual disciplines. Be aware of our need. Peter denied Christ, but God restored him. I believe very specifically that there are a few people and you're sitting here today and what's resounding in you is a sense of failure, a sense of the times you've let Jesus down. And if that's you, I want to say that even if you only came to Christ at 50, 55, 60, 65, you have not lived a wasted life because God in his goodness will redeem your past. He'll take that junk away and he'll use it. We heard something of Annie's story today. God is able to take the most broken, the, the horrible things that we do or are done to us. Somebody said God turns our scars into stars. And I want to say that some of the things that some of us have been through in this life, God wants to take the sting and power and pain of brokenness and redeem it and fill it with his grace. God wants to take failure and replace it with a, a knowledge that he is sufficient, that your life is not wasted and God has a purpose and plan for you. I'm going to invite the worship band to come up now as, they, as we begin to worship. May, can we just stand? I want you just to think about your life. What is God speaking to you about today? Just in this moment, take, uh, maybe Pete, if you just want to play something, just 
briefly in the background, but just if you, quietly in the background, but if you, in that place today where you know that God is calling you to surrender, to stop trying to tough it out, to stop trying to be enough and just to embrace his amazing grace. If you're in the place where you know that you are not sufficient, that's a brilliant place because that's the place where we call out to God for his grace and mercy. If you're in the place where you know you've denied Jesus, where you know you've done stuff wrong, God is calling you in his grace and mercy to embrace all that he has for you. And it's just a very specific warning for some of us today. We are never called to look down and judge the eternal destiny of others. And just as Peter made a mistake and just as we all mess up, let's be really careful about judging others. Let's be careful of a judgmental attitude, of a judgmental spirit that criticizes and finds fault in others. Let's deal with others with the sense of grace that we want God to deal with us in that same way. So take a moment in your heart and let's begin to just speak to God. Let's just begin to speak to God, to ask him for his grace, to ask him for his strength, to ask him for his peace. Let's begin to call out to God. If you need to ask forgiveness from God, just take this moment to do it. Maybe if you need to ask forgiveness from someone else, at the end of this service, decide in your heart to do it. But know that God is able to restore, to renew, to give new life. Father, I just want to pray over each of us. And I want to pray that today, Lord God, that you would step into our stories afresh. You'd step into our lives. That you would bring grace and light and life. That you would bring joy. That you would take the pain of failure and swap it for the glories of the cross that you would take away the reliance on self and swap it for a deep trust in Jesus. Lord, I pray that you would take away the poison of wounds and swap it for healing, restoration and life in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.